Welcome to the ABR podcast, where some of Australian Book Review's contributors read their articles or discuss them with ABR staff. My name is Peter Rose, and I'm the editor of ABR. If you enjoy these podcasts, think about subscribing to the magazine. Those 25 and under can do so for as little as $25 for the online version, or just $60 for print plus online. Greetings, podcast listeners. My name is Christopher Menz, and I lead the ABR Cultural Tours, which we present in association with Academy Travel. Next up is a tour of the 2023 Adelaide Festival and Writers Week. Join myself and ABR editor Peter Rose for nine days of concerts and performances and guided tours of museums and galleries, plus sessions at Writers Week and ABR's unique brand of conversation and conviviality. Full details are available from the Academy Travel website. See you in Adelaide. What should we make of Lachlan Murdoch? Almost certainly the next head of News Corp, one of the world's largest and most diffuse media companies, and the dominant force in Australia's media landscape. In this week's ABR podcast, Patrick Mullins, visiting fellow at the ANU's National Centre of Biography, reviews a new biography of Lachlan Murdoch by Paddy Manning. Mullins considers the contradictions within Murdoch's public persona and asks how Murdoch himself may have cultivated these. But does Manning's exhaustive work get us closer or further away from understanding the man behind the persona? Here is Patrick Mullins with his review of The Successor. The High Stakes Life of Lachlan Murdoch for the December issue of ABR, titled Dual Focus. In the 1990s, seeing a hot red weapon of a motorbike being ridden into the News Corp car park in Sydney, journalist Paddy Manning could not help but ask, what's that? Still wearing his helmet, the rider answered that the bike was an MV Augusta, at which point Manning realised he had yelled at Lachlan Murdoch. This encounter, described in the acknowledgements of the successor, hints at the dual focus of the book. Yes, it's a biography of Lachlan Murdoch, but Manning's eye, now as then, is drawn more to the noisy, barely tamed vehicle that Murdoch oversees. In the United States, Fox Corporation is regularly accused of coarsening public debate, fueling the rise of Donald Trump, and promoting conspiracy theories about COVID-19, immigration, election integrity, and more besides. In Australia, News Corp is well known for its newspaper dominance, its clear ideological bent and willingness to bully, and its indulgence of discredited theories and arguments on issues ranging from climate change to gender and sexuality. Knowing how and why Fox and News Corp operate as they do is important. So too is knowing what their futures might be under a man whose life, dramatically speaking, has reached its crucial third act. Lachlan Murdoch is the third mogul for whom Manning has played Boswell. He is also the third subject to have refused him cooperation. Eternally undeterred, Manning annexes press clippings domestic and international, minds existing biographies and histories for insight, and, most acutely in this book, as in those on Nathan Tinkler and Malcolm Turnbull, extracts from business filings and disclosures the information necessary to illuminate his subject's commercial dealings. He supplements all this with copious interviews, on the record and off. The result is pacey and illuminating, 
if more distant than one would like, and padded by gossip column style clip detail and pocked with cliché. On one page alone, Lachlan is paddling hard, only to be set adrift in limbo. Then he rolled up his sleeves and, despite just keeping the seat warm, made some big calls, the first of which was a plain bit of Management 101. As the first biography of a figure exercising significant influence, it is a valiant effort, especially with a figure who has remained enigmatic and silent where possible. The life Manning lays out is a neat Billung's Roman. Surrounded by the Murdoch family mythos from a young age, Lachlan was willingly pressed into the family business. After studying philosophy at Princeton, he was dispatched to entry-level jobs at the printing presses for Sydney's Daily Mirror as a junior reporter for the San Antonio Express, before being appointed general manager of Queensland Press Limited when he was 22. Skipping up the corporate ladder over the next six years, Murdoch worked to grow the Courier-Mail, led the efforts of the Breakaway Super League, reinvigorated the Australian, and more besides. The effect was threefold. His inkling for journalism was tempered by the exigencies of financial returns. He made a deep, ingrained connection with a particular idea of Australia, and he gained the credentials he felt were necessary to be his father's eventual successor. Yet for others, those credentials were always in question. Lachlan's relocation to the United States in 2000 was followed by the unravelling of OneTel, the fad telecommunications provider into which News Corp had poured $575 million, partly at Lachlan's urging. The arising proceedings were then paralleled in the United States by disdain and brusque treatment from both News Corp executives and his own father. Lachlan's decision to walk away from the company in 2005 and to return to the country he terms home, Australia, was catalyzed by Rupert's withering dismissal to Roger Ailes, head of Fox News. Don't listen to Lachlan. In a narrative that he almost certainly had a hand in promulgating, Lachlan proved himself to be his own man through his Australian-based private investment company, Illyria. His choices were not all winners. Some, in fact, were outright disasters, but the results were plain. He invested shrewdly in FM radio and took a successful state in the Indian Premier League through the Rajasthan Royals. He did not invest in the Bulletin, even though its history appealed to him. He became a billionaire in his own right. Retrospectively, too, his decision to exit News Corp became one of his best. It left him untarnished by the opprobrium that arose from the discovery of the rampant phone hacking taking place at the News Corp-owned British tabloid News of the World. Then, in 2013, with Dame Elizabeth Murdoch one year dead, his father divorcing Wendy Deng, Brother James Murdoch's reputation in the mire, and the cloud of scandal only seeming to grow around the company, Lachlan accepted his father's plea to return to the family business. It was a decision made, it seems, from pity. Lachlan knew that his father had been through the ringer. Lachlan felt he could not refuse at a time when his father seemed vulnerable. A decade later, Lachlan was the uncontested and publicly anointed heir to the media empire his father had spent so many years building. These were not easy years. Lachlan had cleaned up sexual harassment scandals at Fox, dealt with Donald Trump, and been deeply involved in the sale to Disney of a range of Fox assets, including 20th Century Fox and stakes in Sky, Star and Hulu. The increasingly secure financial position that the Disney deal brought about, however, has been accompanied by questions about Murdoch's complicity and approval of Fox's increasingly toxic broadcasts. 
As academics Yokai Benkler, Robert Farris and Hal Roberts have argued, Fox News has accredited and amplified the excesses of radical right-wing news sites in American discourse and become a propaganda outlet affecting only the trappings of professional journalism. In these detailed latter chapters especially, Manning exposes an apparent contradiction. There is the handsome, pleasant, soft-left, touchy-feely liberal of Lachlan Murdoch's youth, established in the book's first third. Then there is the Lachlan Murdoch of the latter two-thirds, who talks of free speech in henhouse sentences, pals around with Tony Abbott and the IPA, presides over Tucker Carlson programs on the racist Great Replacement Theory, and cuts away from the congressional hearings that have exposed Donald Trump's role in the storming of the US Capitol. What happened? Did Lachlan Murdoch change? The evidence mustered by Manning suggests not. Murdoch has long been vigorously conservative, and it seems that he has seen in Fox's current position a synthesis of ideology and profitability. But if the slightest sense of unknowing remains, as if Murdoch was still wearing that motorcycle helmet, there is none at all about the nature of the company his father built and which he now leads. Pursuit of profit, tribal affiliation, disregard for high ethical standards, the determination to dominate. All these characterise Fox Corporation and News Corp just as well as speed, noise and red paint do for an MV Augusta. Time will reveal whether any difference between vehicle and rider, company and owner, is important enough to remark upon. Thanks for listening to the Australian Book Review podcast. Join us again next week. If you enjoyed this episode, why not consider subscribing to AVR? Subscriptions start from just $10 a month for full digital access. Visit our website for more information. We'd like to thank Stacey Chan, who edits the podcast, as well as our contributors who take the time to read their articles and creative writing. And if you enjoy listening to the ABR podcast, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes.